Is it possible for aliens to cure diseases in humans? And then we travel to the Philippines. The year is 1986, and the people of the country are ready for revolution. The leader, Ferdinand Marcos, is ready to put it down no matter the cost. But when the protesters and the military clash, the Virgin Mary appears today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I actually think I'm coming down with something. It's not corona, not coronavirus. I had a runny nose. I slept for eight hours last night, which is rare for me. It's very rare. Even on days where I don't have to work, I'm usually up at about six hours. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this goes. We'll see how this episode goes and the episodes going forward. Just uh, Yesterday's episode, I said... Oh man, this time jump, like I lost an hour, I'm such a boomer, I'm tired, I actually think I'm getting sick. I think that's what, I am a boomer, but I also think that I'm getting sick because of the, uh, something's going on, because now I'm really, really tired. But, I'm going to put all the energy I have for today into this next half hour episode for you guys, for my friends. And first off, I want to say thank you, we're getting a ton of these guys lately, it's so awesome. I want to say thank you to my latest Patreon, Harry Lawrence. So thank you, Harry, so much for your support. Really, really means a lot. If you guys can't support the Patreon, and there's a lot of reasons why people don't support Patreons, I totally understand. You can support the show just by help getting the word out. Because that helps a lot, too. Just by telling your friends, hey, I listen to this podcast called Dead Rabbit Radio, and just kind of like, mate, you should make up a song about how great the podcast is, and then perform it for strangers. All of that stuff really, really helps. The one thing that's helped with the Patreon support specifically, is I've been able to start to buy things for the podcast. And we'll get into that in a second. But before we get into that, we're going to give Harry the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are going to take this baby up, up, and away. We are headed out to Hubbard, Oregon. Actually, we don't need the Carpenter Copter. Land it. Bring it down. He's like all disappointed. I'm giving you the key here. You can have a key to the Carpenter Copter. You can fly it on your own time. Drive us in the Jason Jalop, because it's not that far away. We're headed to Hubbard, Oregon. It's 4 a.m. in the morning, so we're being particularly loud as we're driving through the neighborhood, honking the horn, playing your custom Dead Rabbit theme song as loud as possible. It's July 14th, 1989. Now, there's this dude named Burt Twiggs. That's not a fake name. It's not Burnt Twiggs, either. Burt Twiggs is his name. And he's sleeping in bed. He actually... The reason why I picked this story today is because I'm going through the same thing. He's sick. This guy, (coughs) the Mucinex man, is totally, like, moved in with him. He's his roommate. He's super sick. And he has a stomach ache, difficulty breathing. I don't have that. (laughs) I'm just really tired of the runny nose. I'm not as bad off as Bert here. But he's laying in bed, and his wife's in bed with him. And it's four in the morning. Uh, uh, He's totally, like, kind kind of, he's kind of whining, right? It's kind of being a bit, <laughs> bit of a big baby. I mean, I've I've had stomach aches before, and I've had difficulty breathing before, and I'm not in a book. But I guess the difference is is that I simply got over it. This guy is a little bit different. He's laying in bed with his wife, totally being a big old baby. Oh my tummy! I guess again, difficulty breathing. Maybe you're not being a big baby when you complain about that. Someone's all, oh, grow up. As they're trying to sleep, though. They start to see weird lights in their bedroom. 
all these flashing lights and stuff like that. And then they don't really think anything of it. They wake up just at their normal time. They're going about their day, and then they both go, wait a second, you remember those weird lights last night? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do remember that. And all of a sudden, I have a memory of an alien standing at the foot of my bed, and Bert's like, yeah, me too, dude. I'm totally like, I'm totally imagining that thing you just imagined. What are the coincidences? So anyways, you can tell where I'm leaning at on this story. Then Bert, whoa, whoa, he totally, his memory gets repaired, right? Because, you know, because that's just the way these stories work. His memory gets repaired. He remembers the aliens standing, gray aliens, basic guys, standing around his bed. And they're like, we notice that you're sick. And so this is actually a life-threatening illness. You will die if you're not treated. So we will heal you. Don't go to a medical professional. Let us let us touch let us touch you while you're sleeping. We will heal you, Bert. So then the aliens gave him an injection into his arm and then they left. And then we have this great quote to sum all this stuff up. So remember, he's sick with a stomach ache and difficulty breathing. Now this story is being told from Bert to Preston Dennett. He wrote a book called UFO Healing. So it's all stories about people being healed by UFOs. And if this is one of the stories, well, then I think I'm going to skip this book. Here's a quote from the story. The next morning, his cold was noticeably improved, and within 48 hours, it was completely gone. So let me ask you this. Isn't that how most colds work? Basically, right, like you're sick, and then you get better, and then it's gone. But apparently, this story was included in this book of aliens healing people. So you go, well, that's weird, because... If I was, like, on the verge of death, and, and there are stories like this. People are on the verge of death, and, like, an alien shows up or an angel shows up, interacts with them in some way, and then their cancer's gone, or they can walk and stuff like that. They're not super common, because otherwise there would be no need for doctors. But you'll see them out there, and, you you know, your mileage may vary on whether or not you believe them. This story does is not included. <laughs> this story's ridiculous, right? I was feeling sick. Uh, there are some aliens walking around my bedroom. I got better the next day, and then a couple days later, I was fine. That's the normal course of a sickness. I mean, disregarding the alien stuff. So why is this, one, why am I even bothering (laughs) covering this story? Two, why is it in this book? This is why I'm covering this story, because this is going to lead us into a bunch of different stuff. First off, no, 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 no. Let me tell you this first, then we'll go into this final question. Bert Twiggs is actually a very famous UFO abductee. If you follow me on Twitter, at DeadRabbitRadio, a while back, I posted the cover of a book I had recently purchased using Patreon money. So again, I really Patreon really helps out because I can buy books and stuff like this. Non- garbage nonsense. I can use your hard-earned money to buy the book Secret Vows. And it's written by Bert Twiggs and his wife. And the cover is like a, a crown. I can't say that word. It's a colored pencil. Like It's a drawing of him and his wife. Him with his big old 70s porno stash and his wife. And their family of alien hybrids. So, I'm looking up Bert Twiggs because this story was stupid and I want to find out more about him. I find out he's an author of a book called Secret Vows. And then I immediately look at the reviews, right? And I immediately look at the one-star reviews. Because that's really the most entertaining stuff, right? I I had to buy this book immediately after reading this review. And I will let you guys know how it is. But I I just love the fact that these rabbit holes like yes a guy has a sniffles well he he has difficulty breathing but again he could have just had a bad cough 
that led us into this review written by a Mr. Daniel Ziegler regarding the book Secret Vows. And you can book, but if you can't wait for me to review this book, feel free to buy a copy. It's kind of rare, actually, but here's the review. This is the story of a technologically advanced alien race of Christians. Mm, that's interesting. Alien race of Christians who have Jesus living on their ship, eat sandwiches, sew their own clothes, go to shopping malls, and, and so all that stuff's fairly. You're like, oh, that's normal. I mean, maybe not Jesus living on your spaceship. Humans eat sandwiches. Humans sew their own clothes, right? If they're like a bunch of like a weird religious sect, which these guys would be because Jesus is living on. Would you want to live on a spaceship with Jesus? Don't get me wrong. I love Jesus. But at a certain point, I would like, if, if I was sitting and all day long was just watching TV and Jesus walked in the room, I'd be like, oh, it's hard. It's hard. Dude, right before you came in, I was being super pious. And he's like, mm-hmm, sure you were. Like, I would feel a lot of pressure if I lived with Jesus, which technically as a Christian, Jesus lives inside of me, but it's a little bit different because he's like in in me. I don't have to worry about him. Like, like, you know, I'm, I'm out just like lounging and he's just like walking down the street and I'm like, oh, hey, Jesus. Hey, how's it going, man? I was totally just going to read the Bible again. He's like, mm hmm. I, I actually think it'd be pretty cool, dude. But anyways, they're living with Jesus on their ship. Sounds totally quote unquote normal. Right. But then we get to this. Um, they go to shopping malls and engage in multiple partner marriages. So they're banging each other. They're all everyone's just this big swinger society, which would be even more embarrassing if Jesus is on your ship. And so, I mean, come on, that, how do you not want to? How do you not want to read that book about a bunch of swingers who are banging aliens and Jesus is just kind of hanging out in the background? And he's like, why did I get trapped on this ship? I wonder if Jesus sews his own clothes. But anyways. The point is, I wonder, yeah, I wonder who made Jesus' clothes. Because obviously, like, somebody did, right? Like, someone like a tailor made his big old robes and stuff like that. I wonder who that guy was. It doesn't matter. I guess that that's kind of inconsequential to the idea of Jesus flying around a space alien. But you figure that would be a good marketing gimmick, like, back then. Like, you would be like, I was the dude who made Jesus' clothes. And people, would be like, <laughs> people would be like, that guy was brutally murdered by the Roman government? It's kind of kind of horrible to turn that into an advertising slogan. Hey, you know, what are you going to do? I got to make my money. So I got to make my ducats or whatever they spent back then. Anyways, the point is, all that's funny. Here's my question to you. Can aliens heal people? Which, again, we've run into stories like that before. I've never been in a situation where I've had someone super close to me get an illness and slowly die from it. I've lost people very, very quickly. I've gotten those phone calls at 2 in the morning. I've had that happen. I've had people who've gotten sick and died like that. But I've never had that long-term sickness that, that I can recall right off the bat. And so I, I don't know how that would be. Like, I know now this is getting depressing. You're like, no, Jason, just talk about Jesus on the spaceship again. But to, to round out the story, like, I that would suck to be, like, losing someone slowly. And you would be, like praying for a miracle and if that miracle came in the guise of a bunch of gray aliens then so be it right but i think those type of stories hold out hope that something can happen when someone's dying uh, slowly that that maybe a miracle is on the way i think they're they're important stories in that in that sense and almost mythological we have that thing where first it's the gods the old gods who can do miracles and then you have the saints who can do miracles and or the angels that can do miracles. And as society 
advances, quote-unquote advances, and start to disregard the old ways, they still want to believe, they still want to have the comfort of miracles, so now it's just aliens doing that same thing. Or the simulation correcting glitches, or whatever the next stage of this will be. People always want to believe in miracles, even if they don't want to believe in the source of the miracle itself. So, let's go ahead and move on to our next story. And actually, I didn't think about it, but that's a really good segue, because our next story also involves a miracle. So now, Harry, now, fire up that carbonercopter. copter. There's no way we're driving to the Philippines. We were headed off to Manila. Is it, is it the Philippines? It's not Manila, Philippines. It's Manila, the Philippines. I'm actually, a, if people who listen to the show for a long time, I'm, I'm what's called a Philhead. I know so much about the Philippines, except for that one detail... I'm probably the 11th smartest person in the world when it comes to Philippines trivia. So we're flying out to the Philippines. I know exactly where it's at. It's right. Go a little bit further, Harry. Keep pilot. There we are. There we are. Right there. Land. We're landing on an archipelago. Archipelago? Can't pronounce that word either, but we're landing on a series of islands in the, <laughs> in the sea, right? Off the coast of Asia. And you know what's funny is when I was researching this story, it brought back a bunch of memories. Because I know I always talk about my age, which I think is important because I think it puts a lot of stuff in context and stories like this too. When I was a kid, the saga of the Marcos, the Marcos family in the Philippines, dominated the headlines. I remember being, this story takes place in 1986, so I would have been 10 years old. And I remember... Not the exact details of the story, but I remember like there'd be Saturday Night Live skits about how corrupt that family was. Like I'm trying to think of a corollary to this age, but it was a government across the world from the United States, but it, it became so famous for their lavish corruption and brutality, which I don't really remember that level of it, but I remember all this stuff. Basically, the Marcos family, going off of memory, because I didn't do a bunch of research on that, but basically it was your standard corrupt government it was saddam hussein without the outright brutality but going through this story people were that's what i remember going through this story people were saying that there was a level of brutality in the marcos regime as well but super famous so revisiting this story brought back memories of like watching the nightly news of my dad and all this stuff going on it's it was an interesting period all that being said we're going to the philippines now and What happens there is the Marcos family had been in power for 20 years. And to the point that one of his political rivals was assassinated. And that politician's wife, widow at this point, decided to run for president. Which is a pretty ballsy move. Someone kills your husband and you're like, I'll try that. I'll try to take the guy down. Her name was Cory Aquino. (laughs) She runs and basically... She wins, but the Marcos government says, no, she didn't. We'll count those votes. Oh, no, 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 she didn't win. So people are really upset. They see a lot of fraud. They see a lot of brutality. They see a lot of corruption. And a bunch of political rivals start getting arrested, rivals of the Marcos. So Cory Aquino and a couple others go to the city, try to figure out their next move. And everyone knows the next move is basically them getting arrested in mass by Ferdinand Marcos and his military. There's a cardinal, there's a Catholic cardinal named Cardinal Vidal, and he gets on the radio and he goes, guys, the election was a total fraud, and we need to protect these leaders. We need to go out and protect these leaders, because we know what's going to happen. If the military gets to them first, they're just going to disappear into prisons. Hundreds of thousands of people begin pouring out of their house and traveling to the city, because everyone knew where they were at. It was just a logistical issue of getting there 
military surrounding them. People started pouring out of their houses, driving out to this place. And there's another cardinal, Cardinal Sin, which is kind of ironic. Cardinal Sin is like, go out there and don't just go out there. Bring them food, bring them supplies, and show them love. Just hang out with them. And it was basically a massive party. Started off a couple hundred thousand people, peaked at over a million people. Whole families were there. And at the core of this group was political rivals. People that Marcos had to stamp out. So he's like, well, get the tanks, get the helicopters. We're going to do this. The, The tanks go into the area and it's just masses of people before you could even hope to get to their target. And the tanks stop. This is where history kind of splits. Some people say the tanks had orders to open fire on the people or to run them over if need be. Other people say, no, 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 Marcos never wanted to hurt the people. He just wanted to intimidate the people. So there's that division. The the general consensus is that those people were going to get ran over. But the pro-Marcos people are like, no, 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 he just wanted to scare them. But he was also flying attack helicopters around. It's kind of hard to scare someone with something that's just flying around you. So that's a little weird. Now, the tanks show up. And the people not only won't move, nuns are climbing on top of the tanks and sitting there. Just hanging out. And everyone's... It's super tense. You have the military that is ready to crush all resistance. Because they know this is the end. Marcos knows that if he does not stop this, this is the end of his reign. He can't let a million people protect his political rivals. This will be the end. The nuns are sitting on the tanks. The tanks are getting ready to go in. And that's when this political story becomes a dead rabbit radio story. A cross appears in the sky. A cross of pure light. And everyone sees it. The tank commanders see it. The people on the ground see it. Political opposition see it. But that doesn't stop the tank commanders from getting ready to move on this crowd. They've been sitting here long enough. They're getting orders to put down this insurrection. It's time to go. So despite the fact of this light cross in the sky, this cross made of energy in the sky, In a deeply Catholic country. I mean, that wouldn't do much in Britain, right? They'd be like, oh, cheerio, I'm atheist. Not too too worried about that. Go about my business just crushing people's heads open. But, and you know, in a deeply Catholic country, that's going to be an omen. But it's not enough to stop the tanks from getting ready to go in. And But then you have the ace in the hole, the Virgin Mary. (laughs) Appears before the tank commanders. And not only does this vision of Jesus' mom show up. Not only does this vision that if you had to come up with an icon for the Catholic religion, she's what, the second, the third one up there? Besides the cross and Jesus himself? you got Virgin Mary standing in front of these tank commanders. Not only is this vision of the Virgin Mary standing there, she talks. Dear soldiers, she says, stop. Do not proceed. Do not harm my children. I am the queen of this land. I talked earlier about the split between whether or not Marcos was going to really murder these people or just wanted to intimidate them. There's an interesting thing here because there's two versions of this story, but I think there's proof that one of them is actually more true than the other. When I was researching this, I'm on Wikipedia, and they're talking about the the military showed up to stop the protesters, and then they just said, no, we're going to be on the protesters, and they basically turned their tank battalions over to the opposition. That's what Wikipedia says. Wikipedia also has this great anecdote 
where Marcos orders this helicopter attack wing that I mentioned earlier to fly over to the pro. So the, hel- the, the tanks have now turned. The helicopter wing goes over there, they land, and they all get out and join the protesters. So no matter what Marcos was sending over there, they were just quitting his side and joining the revolution. He eventually got thrown out of the country and all that stuff. And But but that's neither here nor there. So we have this moment. We do know that the tank brigade joined the protesters. But the Wikipedia page doesn't mention the vision of Mary at all. We're looking at a, a website called divinemysteries.com for this one. And hold on, I know that's not the most reputable website, but to be fair, neither is Wikipedia. And two, again, there's more information coming. Divinemysteries.com has this phrase after uh, the Virgin Mary appeared. Quote, Then the soldiers dropped their weapons, withdrew from pressing forward, and joined the throngs of people to turn and fight with them against the Marcos regime. And the reason why I think that this story is true in the sense that the Virgin Mary did appear is that at this location now, there is a massive statue of the Virgin Mary. The, the, it's the fact that I think this, uh, and it should be in the Wikipedia, because I think that's an interesting element. It's not that the troops just showed up and then said, ah, you know, it's Wednesday, I'm going to join you. You had a religious icon appear to people who followed that religion and they turn them around. I mean, and, and that changed the course of the battle. Whether or not you personally believe it, you probably should put it in there as part of the historical turning point, because now there is a statue of this vision at this location. She's known as Our Lady of Esta. And people who were there remember that event. They remember seeing the Virgin Mary stand between them and the tanks. The tank commanders remember it and so on and so forth. And so they've erected this statue because of that. They actually had, so there's this, I don't want to get into it. It's such a long story, but it's fairly well known. Probably one of the most well-known Catholic stories, you know, outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The vision of uh, Fatima, Fatima, I think it's Fatima. It's well known. I just mean I can pronounce it. These three girls saw a vision of the uh, Virgin Mary when they were out, like herding sheep or drinking water or something like that. And it gave them three prophecies. And then two came true. And then the third one was to never be revealed. Apparently, the third one was the prophecy of uh, involving either the death of a pope or the fall of a pope. But that, that, that story is super well known. Anyways, the last surviving girl of the Fatima prophecy visited this area because, you know, Virgin Mary is being spotted again. It's interacting with people. She visited this area and she said that if Cory Aquino did everything, Cory Aquino was appointed by God to rule the country of the Philippines at this time. And that's why Mary showed up at this time to intervene. Had... If she does everything that God wants her to, she will bring Christianity to China within 10 years, and China will fall as a communist country and become a Christian country. That obviously didn't happen. So I don't know if just um, the prophecy wasn't real, or she was just kind of making it up, or Corey didn't do everything she needed to do, or who knows. What we do know is that Marcos was overthrown. People did see this. People, A lot of people saw this vision of the Virgin Mary, and that China is still a brutal and corrupt government. This is an interesting story because there's two ways to look at it. Uh, one, you could look at it as it could be. When I keep saying that it happened, I'm not specifically saying that it actually happened because we can't put on a skeptical hat. It could be that it was mass panic, right? In a moment where everyone thinks they're going to die and the tank commanders are about to kill their own people. It takes extra. Bru- it takes an extra brutal regime to kill their own 
like mur- murder and war is already bad enough, but to kill your own, you got to be just absolutely brutal. But it could be a, a, a mass hysteria. Virgin Mary could not have been there. It could have been mass hysteria, but people thought they saw it, and people's memories got changed because everyone was talking about seeing it, and so on and so forth. Because really, for a sizable amount of people to see her, she would have been pretty tall, right? Like if she was the size of like, if she was like an average woman, if she was like five foot four, five foot five, you're not going to see her more than two or three rows back. So could be mass panic, people being misremembering, but they still have the statue there. It still was a turning point in the war, but it didn't actually happen. That's one theory. Theory two is that it actually was the Virgin Mary. Philippines is, like I've said before, deeply Catholic country. So it would make sense that if this country was on the verge of mass slaughter, and maybe Cory Aquino was supposed to play some role in God's plan, if you follow that theology, God would send down messengers to intervene and stuff like that. That's kind of his MO. He's been doing it for, you know, tens of thousands of years. That would make sense that it actually was the Virgin Mary who was like, oh, things have gotten too, I got to go down and talk to my kids, stop soldiers, stuff like that. There's a third scenario, though. Third scenario, and we're going to end it like this. Project Bluebeam. Now, I, ta- I did a whole episode on it a long time ago, and it's a really good episode. I recommend listening to it, but I, I briefly, what and I, I, Project Bluebeam is, for the most part, uh, uh, been dismissed as just a weird, a weird man's rant. But I think the technology itself is fascinating. Project Bluebeam is basically the ability for the U.S. government or a secret society, whichever boogeyman you pick, to create a 3D hologram of a religious icon that can talk and can interact with people and can control groups of people. You could project it over the Middle East with the voice of Allah. You could use it in the United States with Jesus walking down, you know, Main Street, stuff like that. And it would be a way to get people to, one, in a battle, it would be a way to get people's attention like that. If you had a bunch of troops amassing in an area and there's a bright flash in the sky and you hear a deep, booming voice... At the very least, you're going to get a tactical advantage. People are going to be like, what in the world was that? And if it's saying stuff like, put down your weapons, you know, it is the will of Allah, or Jesus is like, buy these shorts, they're two for one off. He's standing outside of a Macy's. Like, there's a lot of different ways. It would at least get your attention. And then some people, it might actually sway. The, the This is would be an intro. It's early enough in the timeline, the blue beam technology really started to come out like the theory behind it started to come out in like the late 70s early 80s so we're early enough in that timeline where there would have been fiddling with it but it would be interesting if you had someone with that technology and you're watching this about to play out and you go let's see what this let's see what this can do in a real life application we've been projecting jesus floating around the laboratory all day long we've been bugging our coworkers, but let's see what we can do with this in a real-life situation. So they they program in Virgin Mary, and they make her appear and give her a message to deliver, and people fall for it. And I think that's an interesting take on it, because the reason why I kind of go with that is, one, tons of people saw it. So it had to be tall. It wasn't just a... Like, if the Virgin Mary appeared in front of you, would she be life-size? Or would she be giant? So everyone can see her. If she's giant, that makes me lean more towards some sort of holographic technology. But what really makes me suspicious the fact that, again, assuming that any of this happened, we do know they have this statue of it, so something happened there, but it could be mass panic. 
But assuming they actually saw these things, what makes me think it's different than simply the Virgin Mary herself showing up is the cross appearing at first, the glowing cross in the sky. And that almost seems like someone projected that image first and it didn't stop the tanks from coming in. So they're like, oh, plan B, doop, and the Virgin Mary appears. Who knows? Who knows? This story may have a psychological component, people on the edge of terror and mass panic, and all imagining something, or throughout time, the story modifying. It could be a tulpa, everyone terrified that somebody on the other side will give, and they create this vision amongst themselves just out of the fear and confusion and everything going on. So you have psychological component to it. You have the uh, religious component to it. It could have actually been the Virgin Mary coming down and, and knowing that millions of people were going to be slaughtered. This was going to be a bloodbath. Because if the tanks had moved in, and then the helicopters probably wouldn't have landed, they probably would have attacked and stuff like that. Because once you start the brutality, it's very hard to pull back. It's like mob rule. It's like when people start rioting. People are flipping over cars. There's not someone being like, don't do that, guys. You're flipping over cars, too. You just can't stop it. So had these tanks rolled in, it would have been a bloodbath. So you could have had that religious component, or you could have the sci-fi component, where it wasn't a mystical experience. It was a man in a laboratory hitting buttons, speaking into a microphone, being like, dear soldiers, stop. A little voice changer. And what the weird thing is, is all of them are equally bizarre. All of those possible scenarios are equally bizarre. But what we do know, other than pro-Marcos propaganda, what we do know is a slaughter was averted that day. Was it averted by mass panic and people imagining that their savior was there? Was it averted because, was it averted because someone wanted to test out some new equipment? When time was tight and everything was on the line, they wanted to see if their device could actually fool people into believing that a religious icon was in front of them. Or was it stopped by God? Was it stopped by God and the Virgin Mary and millions of lives saved and a corrupt government overthrown? The planet Earth is just like the human body. And when it gets sick... We pray for a miracle. When we look around the world and see horrible things going on that seem outside of our control, we hope someone from the outside, be it God or aliens, comes in and helps us out. We'd like to get to a point where we could cure ourselves. Where we could fix these problems before they end up with millions dead. But until humanity advances to that point, you can either hope or pray that someone shows up and saves us from ourselves. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Mm-hmm.